0: Good to be here tonight, glad to see all of you here. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is a very familiar passage of scripture to most of us. This is when David fought against Goliath. Tonight we are going to look at David, we're going to look at his life a little bit, and hopefully get some encouragement through the scriptures. Before we begin, I'm going to say a word of prayer, just ask for God's blessing upon this service. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight and we thank you so much for you, Lord Jesus Christ, and the fact that you came to this earth and you died for us. Lord, I thank you that you are a firm foundation, that God, we can stand upon you and Lord, we know you're true tonight, and I pray that as we sit and hear your word preached, that God, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you know the needs in everybody's heart and life tonight, and Holy Spirit of God, I know that you are capable of working, and I pray that you would. I pray tonight that people would just willingly obey you, Lord God, that they would listen. I pray that they would hear your words tonight, Lord God, as the word of God is spoken and preached, that it would work and convict and show us, God, how we need to improve. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, as we look at this, we'll go through this story. And like I said, it's familiar to most of us. But the Philistines had gathered together to battle against the children of Israel. And we all know about this man named Goliath, who was this champion of the Philistines. And he was, he was a giant. He was, bi- he was a big man. He was a man of war. And everybody feared him. Look with me in verse number 11. It says, and this is after Goliath was making these, really he was defying the army of Israel and challenging a man to come out and fight him. Verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So this is the response that this army had. They were afraid of Goliath. They feared him. So Goliath came out for 40 days, and he challenged them, and he defied them day and night. And nobody did anything about this. Everybody was, when they would see him, they would run from him. Now these guys were supposed to be warriors, and they had a king, King Saul, but all of them were too afraid to do anything. But we're going to see this man David come on the scene. David's father, who, whose name was Jesse, in verse number 17, he told David to take down to the, uh, to the people this, uh, the food, the, the corn and the ten loaves, is what he told him in verse number 17. And then he said, uh, verse 18, Carry these ten cheeses unto the captains of the thousands. So that's what he did. David took it and he went down to the battlefield that day. And he left the carriage in verse number 22 in the hands of the keeper, And then in verse number 23, he comes down, he salutes his brethren, and as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the army of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. So right here we see David hears what Goliath has been saying this entire time. Now, the first point that I want to bring tonight is David was different than the rest. David was different than everybody else that was in the army that day. He was different than Saul. He was different than all the other men that were warriors, that were there to battle. And the reason he was different is because instead of running away, he's going to stand up and say, who's going to fight this guy? Who's going to stand up to this man? Forty days had gone by and nobody had done anything. And now David hears it on this one, this one time, and it stirs up his heart. And it stirred up his heart because he cared about God, he cared about God's reputation, and he cared about God's people, God's army. David had a concern. Saul was not a good leader at this time in his life. Saul was actually, he was on a decline. He was, his life was going to, in my opinion, spiral out of control. Saul was going to lose his mind and be consumed with David. When we consider David and Saul and compare them together, Saul was the very first king of Israel. The Israelites, they wanted a king so desperately that they got Saul. And when Saul took over, Saul was—he didn't do a very good job, ever, really. He disobeyed God multiple times. And then God said that he was going to remove the kingdom from him. Keep your finger right here and just flip over maybe a page or two to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And look in verse number 24. This is after Saul had disobeyed God, when God told him to take out Amalek, the people, kill all the animals, and destroy them all. If you look in verse number 23, oh I'm sorry, let's look at verse number 24. Samuel came to Saul and called him out on his sin. And God told, God told Samuel, I'm going to remove him and you need to go tell him that. So he did that in verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. So finally he admits, I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in thy words. But look at this. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now if we looked at Saul earlier, he blames it on the people the entire time. When when Samuel said, Why do I hear animals in the background? Because when Samuel came to Saul, Saul said, I did everything you asked me to do. I obeyed God. I I fulfilled the commandments that God has given to me. And then Samuel says, Why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep? What, What what's this noise that I hear? And then he says, Oh, well, we saved the best so that we could sacrifice to God. So he starts making these excuses. And then Samuel says, Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. So he said, You've been rebellious. So even when Saul makes a confession, his heart's not really right with God because he's once again blaming it on the people. In verse number 25, he says to Samuel, Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Let's put this behind us. Let's, you know, I, I want to move on. I want to do what's right now. In verse 26, And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. When Saul had rejected God's words, God rejected him from being king. That was was the time in his life where things would change now. Saul was no longer going to keep this kingdom. It was going to be removed from him. And I I just want to say tonight as we read this, it's a big deal to reject God's words. And... You may say to yourself, I'm not rejecting God's words. I, I love God's word." But if you hear the word of God, God speaks to your heart, he shows you something, and you disobey him, you're rejecting God's words. That's what it is. Because if you look at the story, God gave him a commandment. And, and by the way, Saul partly obeyed the commandment, didn't he? We know this story, probably. He partly obeyed the commandments of God, but he kind of did his own thing with it, too. When we partially obey God, that means we're disobeying parts of His commandments. We're rejecting God's Word. God's Word is very important, and we should treat it as something that is important. And then in verse number, uh, verse number 27, Samuel turned about to go away, and he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. So as, as Samuel was going away, Saul grabbed hold of him, and it ripped Samuel's garment. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. So then Samuel, he said, God has chosen somebody better than thou. Those words probably hurt, didn't they? Someone better than you, God has chosen. But let me ask you this question tonight. What made David better? What made him a better king? And the Bible reveals this. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. Now David made mistakes. Have no doubt about that. The Bible records David's mistakes. God is very faithful to show us that man is still man. That man still messes up. Man man is sinful. And so was David. But here was the difference in David's heart. David had a desire to obey the commandments of God. And when he failed God, he made things right. When I look at Saul and how he made things right... He just wanted to blame everybody else and said, well, you know, Samuel, I did this because I was afraid of the people. They wanted to do it. They talked me into it. That's not a very good king. He didn't have a heart that was really for God. So Saul is the leader of this army. Saul is cowering down in fear with his army. He's not a very good leader. God has chosen a better one, and that's going to be David. Let me me show you. Keep your finger here and turn with me to Acts chapter number 13. I'm going to show you what God says about David in the Bible. Acts chapter number 13. We could find this in 1 Samuel as well, but we'll look to the New Testament real quick. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. The verse before this, it talks about how Saul was going to be removed, how he was king for 40 years. Verse 22, And when he had removed him... He raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. You know who who gave the testimony that David was a man after God's own heart? It was God. God told us that. God let us know that. So David had a heart for the things of God. And tonight, do you have a heart for the things of God? Do you have a desire in your heart to obey God? I don't want to be like Saul. Saul Saul did not really have that heart, the desire to live and please God. So God removed him. Saul had a carnal mind, in my opinion. He had a mind for the things of the world. When you see what he he took from from these people, he took the best of the sheep, the best of the oxen, He took the best of the things. He was just looking for the better things. In my opinion, his mind was carnal. He wasn't thinking about God. He wasn't thinking about what God wanted. That's a carnal mindset. And when we have the mind and heart for the things of God, we think differently than the world. David was different than everybody else in this army. Everybody in this army was thinking about their own lives. They were thinking about how afraid they were. They were living in fear of this man that was standing out there. But when David saw it, he said, Why are we letting this guy stand here and defy the armies of the living God? He had a different mindset. Because his heart was for God. He had a heart for the Lord. And he had a passion for Him. David was ready for the battle. If you look in verse number 32 of 1 Samuel 17... David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Look at how ready David is to go to the battle. Ready ready to fight. Ready to stand. When everybody else around him was cowering in fear, David said, I want to fight. To me, David put these men to shame. These men were warriors. David wasn't a warrior yet. He was a shepherd. He, He tended his father's sheep. But here he comes down and he sees a need and he stands up and says, I'm going to meet that need. I'm going to stand up for what's right. As God's people, that should be us. That should be a description of who we are. Saul's life, as I said, I think it began to fall apart. We know that David's going to get the victory here. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, the next chapter over, we kind of see a little bit of uh, when Saul starts to lose it. First Samuel chapter 18. If you read uh, after Saul kept David in the palace, David was going to stay here now. David was going to remain in the palace. He wouldn't let him go home anymore. He wanted him to be there with him after this great victory. And so they had had the fight with the Philistines and and they they they, they took them down, they slaughtered them, they had a great victory. And when they were coming back, the ladies were singing songs and and praising the men. And they said, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And when they sang that song and when they were saying these words, Saul, he said, what else could David take from me but the kingdom? He's taken everything already. Saul, like uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Saul, he lost it. He, He said, David can't take anything more from me. He's taken it already. So as they sang the song, he began to get very jealous. And that's when he wanted to kill him. So he threw the javelin at him as he played the song because of that evil spirit that came upon him. But look with me in verse number 12. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. That's a sad verse of Scripture. God departed from Saul and he was with David. Therefore Saul removed him from him. And made him captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, because he went out and came in before them. These people started to to love David. God's plan was coming into place. And one thing I love about the story of David is David. God anointed David through Samuel, anointed David to be king before Saul was ever removed. And David never tried one time to remove Saul out of the picture. He just let God work. But the entire time after this, Saul hates David. His life is going to be consumed with jealousy. He's going to chase him and try to kill him over and over again. His life, he's losing it. And this to me shows me no matter what you have in this life, whether it's possession, whether it's title, because you know, you know King Saul had a lot of a lot of good things, a lot of possessions. He was the king, but that didn't make him happy. Do you know why it didn't make him happy? Because he disobeyed God. He he quit he, he quit following God. He didn't have a heart to obey the commandments of the Lord. And when you, when you look at the end of Saul's life, here's what you find Saul doing. He, he, once again, he's going to fight against the Philistines, and he prays, and he tries to inquire of God. God, give me an answer. What do I do? And you know what happened? God never answered him. God never answered him. And so he went and he found a witch, and he tried to talk to Samuel. His life and, the, and his life was about to end. It was over. The answer is... God's going to remove the kingdom from you, Saul. It's over. And, I, and, and young people and old as well, let's remember this. When we quit following God, good things are not going to follow us. And it may be a while before things catch up to us. It may be a while before our sins catch up to us. But if you don't have a heart for God and you're pursuing the things of the world, then one day it's going to end in heartache. It will. And it may take a while. Saul was king for 40 years. But I tell you what, there were things in his life that to me point to how miserable he was. You remember that evil spirit that came upon him? He was miserable. And David played that harp and it, it, it soothed his, his soul and his spirit. He was living in a miserable existence. So David was different. David was different than all these people, especially than Saul. David was not afraid. He was not concerned for his own life. Look back in chapter 17, verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine? They had told him how the man that kills him, Saul would reward with, with some money, with, with a wife, with his father's house being free, free from taxes, or if they were servants, they would be free. So they were given all this. So Saul, uh, I'm sorry, David asked that question. And then he said, What shall be done to this man that killed the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? We see his passion right here. We see his his concern and his desire. Goliath was trusting in the gods of this world. Because we'll look at it here in a minute how how Goliath cursed David by his gods. Goliath was trusting in false gods, and David was... Bel- he, he had his trust in the living God. This battle right here was going to be more than just uh, the, you know, the underdog winning. It was going to be a battle that proved God is the living God. God is the true God. Goliath trusted in his false gods. David trusted in the true and living God, and he got the victory that day. That proved the goodness of the Lord. God is looking for people today in churches, in this church, who have a heart and desire for Him, God wants us to have a heart and desire for Him. I'm going to read you a verse of Scripture. This is probably once again familiar to you. It's in uh, it's in Second Chronicles chapter 16. This is a wonderful verse, wonderful promise from God. Second Chronicles chapter 16, and verse number nine. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. You know what God's looking for today? The Bible says God is looking for a heart that is perfect toward him. God is looking for people whose heart is perfect toward him, a heart that loves him, a heart that longs for him. And sometimes it's easy for any of us, for our heart to, to start to desire the things of this world. Our heart's not completely given to God anymore. And I just want to encourage you tonight, maybe you've, maybe you've you once had a heart and desire for the things of God, but now you've you began to crave some things that are in this world. I just want to tell you tonight, God is looking to show Himself strong to those who trust in Him. God is looking to do that. And we're going to face many battles in our life. We're going to face many difficulties, but here's the wonderful news. God is looking for people who go through difficulties, who have struggles just like this with David, and he wants to prove how good he is, how strong he is. And God is strong. God is able. God is stronger than anything that we can face in this life. And God wants to prove that to us tonight. As God's people, God can do amazing things through us if we let him. And I want to have a heart for God. I want, to, I want to have a heart and desire for the things of the Lord. David, like I said, he, he, was, he, he was a good man. He loved the Lord. He, and once again, he had mistakes, but it, the good things that were in his life, in my opinion, outweighed the bad. And God showed us how blessed David was and how much David loved him. In fact, when we read, when you read in the Kings about the Kings. There, there are many times where people are compared to David. I'll just read a few. You don't have to turn there. In 1 Kings eleven four, 4, uh, it says, And he walked in all the sins of his fathers, which he had done before him. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as the heart of David, his father. Once again, we see somebody compared to David. We see a king compared to David. And then in uh, 1 Kings 15, 3, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And then in 2 Kings 22, 2, And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the ways of his father David. You see, here God is showing us how David loved the Lord, how David followed him. And David had a good name that just continued on throughout Scripture. But we don't just see in this passage the difference that is in David but we also see the discouragement that David faced. And I just want to show you a couple of verses here tonight where David faced some discouragement. In verse number 28, and Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And, w- and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. So right here we see a false accusation that comes from his brother. His brother accuses him that, that out of the pride of your heart, you just came down to see this battle. Where And then he says... What did you do with the sheep that were in the wilderness? And he starts accusing David of all these things. Now, David, he had a commandment from his father to go and bring this food down. So David was really obeying what his father had told him. And the Bible clearly tells us that David had left the sheep with somebody else. So somebody was watching the sheep. But Eliab was so concerned about David. But he was the only man that was standing up. He was the only man that was down here. that was was willing to fight this giant. And I don't know exactly why he was so upset, why the Bible says his anger was kindled against him. Part of it may have been the fact that Samuel came and he chose a king. And Eliab was the eldest. And when he came out, Samuel said, that's the guy right there, that's the next king. And God said, no, no, we're not going to pick him. So he went down through all the sons. And then he said, do you have another son left? And they said, yeah, David, he's out in the, he's out in the field watching the sheep. And that was the man right there. It's possible he was, he was jealous of David. I don't know, I can't say that. But for whatever reason, he was judging the heart and the motive of David. He was saying, David, you came down for the wrong reasons. Well, how, how did he even know why he came down to the battlefield that day? He didn't. And there are times in life that when we serve God, when we have a heart for God... There are times that we are going to face accusations. Things that are said about us that aren't true. I don't know if you've ever been out and knocked on doors and told people where you're from. You say, I'm from Mount Zion. And sometimes people say, oh, you're from there. And they have this accusation. They have this thing to say about Mount Zion. Oh, that's the cult where you... And they go on and they, you know, they have things to say about the church. That happens right? They come, they hear a sermon, they get offended, and then they go and they tell everybody else, hey, this church, you don't want to go here because of, and they, sp- they spread this bad name. Accusations come all the time. I was at work uh, yesterday for a little bit, and this, this lady was that, that was at work, she was telling me about how where she was working, she, she was convinced that somebody set her up. We have these bottles and we pour this oil in for the part to make sure it runs right. Somebody had like partially unscrewed the cap. And so when she did the oil, it just went everywhere. (laughs) I couldn't help but laugh. But in her mind, she's telling me, she's complaining so much. This person did this. I know they set me up. I know this was that. How do you know that? That's a false accusation, isn't it? It's not true because you don't even know who did it. You don't know why they did it. So it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere and the world, and the church. I can remember somebody that was coming to church here, and, and we were really good friends, and somebody started saying these things about this, this man and his family. And uh, at the time, I had no idea if, if any of it was true or not true, but he, he was a friend of mine, so to me, I couldn't just stand by and let people say all these things without, I mean, without this man even knowing it. So I, I specifically remember talking to him on the phone. In my mind, I'm thinking, I have to tell him, I have to tell him. How am I going to tell him this? This is so uncomfortable. So we have the phone conversation, and I hang up, and I didn't tell him at the time. I'm like, man, i got to tell him. So I called him back like, just a couple seconds later, and I said, hey, i just got to tell you this. I'm sorry that this is happening, but people are saying this about you. And, you know, he broke down, and he told me the entire story. And it was, it was thrown way out of context. So there was a lot of accusations that were in there. And it started by just somebody accusing and saying, I, I heard this, I know this about them. So then all this stuff gets spread. And sometimes that can be discouraging, can it? Especially when people try to judge our motives. They, they try to judge our heart. They try to say this is what, you know, you, you don't really have a heart for God. You don't really care. You don't really care about God. You just came down to the battlefield to see what was going on. Sometimes that happens, and David faced that discouragement, and sometimes we may face that as well. But I just want to encourage you, and I don't, don't give in to these, these accusers. The Bible actually says in Revelation that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That's, that's, that's from the devil. That happens from the devil. In, in Revelation, it says that he accuses the brethren night and day to God. I wonder what he's saying about his night and day. He's got a lot to say about me, I'm sure. <laughs> But thank the Lord that He's done a work in my life. It's not about me, it's about Him. I just I, I want to encourage you, don't, don't be defeated by that. But also, I want to encourage you, don't be somebody who accuses other people. Don't go around spreading accusations. Don't go around bad-mouthing other people, trying to, to say, hey, did you hear what Brother So-and-So did? It was horrible. Don't do that. So first we see the discouragement from his his brother's false accusations. But then let's look at his discouragement from Saul. Look in verse number 33. So in 32, as we read, uh, David went into Saul and said, I'm going to fight. Don't let anybody be afraid anymore because I'm going to fight. In verse number 33, and Saul said to David, you're awesome. Go out there and win. No, he didn't say that. He said, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. What a discouragement. So he tells Saul, it's been 40 days and nobody has been willing to stand up. Finally somebody stands up and Saul said, you're going to die. <laughs> He's going to kill you. You're a little boy. What are you going to do against this giant? Once again, I believe that is a tactic of Satan. Satan's going to tell you, you know what you, when you want to stand up for God and do what's right, you know what the devil's going to tell you? You're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. You're going to fail. Do you understand? You're just, you're, you can't make it. You can't win. That's what the devil does to us. There are so many people who are defeated. And sometimes people come into church and they've lived a life of defeat of addiction, whatever it is, they're struggling with things in their life. And when they want to get things right and when they want to make things right, sometimes the devil tells them, you can't win. You're never going to win. But you know what? You can win. You can. And David, he's got such a confidence. And listen, his confidence is not at all in himself, but it's completely in God. David tells Saul here, he's going to tell him this story about how he was a shepherd, and he was out in the field, and this lion came, and it grabbed one of the sheep from the flock. So David said he went up, and he grabbed that lion by the beard, and he ripped that lamb out of that lion's paw, and then he, he, he slew that lion. The same with the bear. He killed the bear. But he didn't say, I did this because I was amazing. He said, just like God delivered me from the, from the paw of the lion and the bear, he's going to deliver me from this Philistine. That's what he said. It's God. He said, you're right, Saul. I can't do it, but God can. And I just want to tell you tonight, maybe you've been defeated. Maybe there's been things in your life that you've been battling for a long time, and you feel like your own mind tells you, I'm never going to get over this. Come to God, because God can help you. God wants to show Himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect with Him. Do you have a heart for God tonight? Now I'll tell you this, if your heart isn't given to God tonight, you probably are going to fail. Because in our own strength, and our own energy, we don't don't have what it takes to fight the devil. But through the power of the Lord, we can crush the enemy. The enemy doesn't stand a chance. You would think that this, this king would want to encourage David. Sometimes we can get discouragement from the from somebody that really surprises us. Maybe somebody that we think would say, hey, keep on going, brother. Keep on going, sister. But maybe they discourage us. But I want to tell you tonight, don't let that cause you to quit. Because God can give you the victory. Don't let it discourage you. Because the devil, I promise you, he is going to try everything he can to discourage you from serving the Lord. From standing up, from doing what's right. He's going to try everything he can to get you to back down. But then also we see that David faced discouragement from Goliath. Look in verse number 42. So so imagine Goliath here. As he sees this little boy come down to fight him. That's what he probably looked at him like a little boy. this, This young man. And verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. He looked like he didn't even belong on the battlefield. Verse 43, And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air, to the beasts of the field. Goliath has some confidence in himself, doesn't he? He feels like this battle is so easy. This battle is so easy, we're going to win so easy. Have you ever watched uh, uh, any sports games where these there was a really, really, really bad team that beats this really, really, really good team? This underdog, this victory? That happens sometimes. These guys who are so good, they go out there with all this confidence and think, we have nothing to worry about. And then the same beats him. It destroys him. Well here, the David, uh, David comes down and Goliath thinks the battle is his. I'm going to feed you to the, the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. You're, you're food to all the animals. You're dead. You're a dead man. You don't stand a chance against me. And just as we talked about a minute ago, sometimes when we look at our problems in our life, that's how we feel. We feel like we stand no chance. I can't do this. I've tried it before and I failed. And I've tried it before and I failed. And I tried it again and I failed again and again. But tonight, I'll give you the answer. The answer isn't just trying again, it's having a heart for God and saying, God, I love you. God, I want to serve you. God, I want to give you everything. Will you help me, Lord? And God will help you. If your heart is perfect toward Him, God will give you the strength that you need to fight any battle in your life. That's the answer. And we may face things, there there may be things in your life you're facing tonight. And you can think of them and you think, every time I I do this, it always goes wrong for me. The devil wants you to think that. Look at how this army of Israel were responding to this this, this giant, this champion. Fear. 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 When we fear, that's the enemy of our faith in God. When our fears take over in our life, that is the enemy of of the faith that we have in our Lord. Because fear is going to come, and you're going to have a decision to make. You're going to either live in that fear and say, I can't do this, I can't make it, let me run away, let me back down, let me turn away from this, God, I can't do it anymore. Or you're going to say, God, I trust you. God, deliver me from this, and he'll come through for you. In Psalm chapter 34, Psalm chapter 34, verse number three, this is a psalm of David. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. That's the God we serve tonight. That is the God that we, the same God that David served and he said he will deliver me from all my fears is the same God that we serve tonight. Amen. And you know what he said? Magnify the Lord with me. Let's make a big deal about God. You know what? Everybody on that battlefield was making a big deal about this giant that stood down there, didn't they? They made a big deal about Goliath and said, look at this guy. Nobody can beat him. But David said, I'm making a bigger deal my God. And we're going to see that in just a minute. We're almost done here. We're going to see how David comes down there, and he's going to tell, he's going to tell Goliath, you come to me with your sword and your spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And you're, you're going to be food today for the animals, because I'm going to get the victory. So first off, we saw how David was different than the rest. Then we saw the discouragement that David faced. And then lastly tonight, I want to show you David's dependence upon God. Because this is what got him the victory. In verse number 37, we'll see the answer that he gave to to Saul when Saul said, you can't do this. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. He will deliver me. He was confident that it was going to be God that would deliver him. Look in verse number 45. This is the answer that he gave to Goliath. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with the sword and with the spear and with the shield but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air into the wind, beast of the earth. I'm sorry I said wind, that's wild. Forgive my reading. And to the wild, I don't know what a wind beast is. But to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. They were gonna know that day that there was a God in Israel. And that God was the living God. That God was the true God. And that's exactly what happened. He slang that stone. You like that word? He slang it. And that stone went right into the right into Goliath's forehead then he went and he pulled out his sword and he cut his head off and the victory was the Lord's that day it wasn't David's victory it was God's victory and tonight I, I, I want to tell you there is nothing like the testimony of a, of a sinner that is saved by the grace of God there is nothing like the testimony of a man or a woman whose life was to the point of breaking it was falling apart they had no hope And then God stepped in and God made something out of their life. God is the one who gives the victory tonight. And God is the one who deserves the glory. And I just want to tell you tonight, there's a God in heaven. And if you set your heart upon Him, there is nothing that He can't do for you. It doesn't matter what you face. There's nothing that He can't do for you. Look at the difference between King David and King Saul. King Saul was a carnal king. A king that in my opinion, cared more about himself, cared about more about the things that he was doing, than he cared about what God wanted for his life. But David was a man after God's own heart. He was, he was a one-of-a-kind king here. And tonight, we can have that same relationship with God. We can have that same relationship with the Lord. And God can give you the victory over any difficulty that you face in your life. He can. But it's not just given to everybody. It's to those whose heart seeks after God. It's not just given to those who, who come to church and care little about the things of God. As I told you about earlier, Saul at the end of his life. He's wanting to turn around, he's wanting to say, All right, God, give me an answer. Sometimes that's how people are. They don't care anything about God, but then difficulties start coming in, and now let's let's try to get serious. And the sad thing was at that time he just didn't get an answer. It was over. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't don't wait and don't don't pass God up time and time again. Don't reject God and then say God just deliver me out of everything that's going on in my life right now. Let's have a heart that that longs to obey God's will. And as we do that, just watch God win the victory in your life. David had, man, he had no doubts right here. Sometimes and, and I'm sure David had fear in his mind, I I would love to know what David thought when he stood and he looked at Goliath. Because he, you know, he was around nine feet tall, according to the, to the scriptures. So he, he was a big man. And David, I'm sure, he, he probably wasn't that tall. So imagine him looking up at this, this, this killer. This guy who has slain, I'm sure, many, many warriors. Imagine the thoughts in his mind and heart. But tonight, you can relate. There are things that you may be afraid of tonight. Things in your life that you don't know what to do anymore. God's the answer. God has the answer. God has the victory tonight. What a wonderful God we serve. If you would, we're going to have a moment of invitation. Let's go ahead and stand. Stand to our feet. We'll have the piano play, and we'll have just a moment where if you want to pray at your seat, if you would like to come to the altar, whatever you want to do. God spoke. If God spoke to your heart tonight, I just want to encourage you, don't Don't just push them off. Don't reject God's words. Allow God to work in your own heart. If you have a a struggle, bring it to God. God can give you victory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you so much for this story in the Bible, even though it's familiar, God. Every time I read it, there's just so much encouragement that I can get from it. And God, I pray tonight for the heart of these people. Lord, if anybody here tonight is struggling with something, Something that is just defeating them day after day after day. That God, tonight, their heart will be fixed upon you and they would look to you. And as they look to you, that God, you would show yourself strong, just like you promised in the Scriptures. Thank you so much for how good you've been to this church. And I just pray that you'd bless this evening. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.